Welcome to a special This Filipino American Life, a podcast that explores the nuanced experiences of Filipinos in the United States. At Iba Pa, I'm joined by producer Mike. Hi. Hi. And then I have to do this. <laughs> to make it official, um, it's just me and Mike, and we have a special... And this is a Panay Cop <laughs> podcast with other Panoys people, people. Yeah. disappointing yeah. a Often. bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> and especially this cold out. <laughs> 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 well, this is really interesting. That's a super meta, like multi layered intro. <laughs> it is. So many personalities. <laughs> um, can you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Because oh, we made that yeah. know you. Oh, yeah. Rose, you go first. I have to go first? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Hi, everyone. This is Rose from Bruja Baddies. I am a Filipina um, feminist po- uh, podcaster and activist. Um, currently, I teach high schoolers math. Um, You're from Las Vegas. And I am from Las Vegas. Born and raised. Born and raised. The- I'm a second gen uh, Filipino-American. My mm-hmm. mom is from the Philippines. Um, currently uh, paving my way through uh, surviving as a teacher and also trying to change my community and help foster young minds because these kids be wild. <laughs> True. <laughs> so my name is Jean Munson and I am the co-host of Bruja Baddies. Also, um, I didn't grow up in Las Vegas. I'm actually from Guam. And we are the two Brujas behind our podcast that launched this year. So exciting. I've been a fan of yours since you, when you all came out, because... The feelings are mutual. That's blushing. Because, like, when we started this podcast in 2016, mm-hmm. and we felt like we were, like, the few... There's some podcasts, but... There were like, other ones? There were others, but, like... Huh. It's easy to start a podcast. It's hard to actually be consistent and put stuff out. And that's, that's the point. Yeah, that's like, there's a couple like one-off podcasts. Yeah. There are a lot of like uh, learning Tagalog podcasts on yeah. iTunes. That is so yeah. true. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And there was one. this one. Um, <laughs> I saw that one. There's one in Virginia called Cine Gang, which I remember I thought that was funny. And it was like a bunch of friends just getting together and talking about like their weeks and stuff. Yeah. But they didn't, I don't think they really talked like, topic specific like share stories it was more like let's shoot the shit and like mm. go from there which is fine you can all do that but like i wasn't gonna do that every week because yeah. i didn't know them right. i'm sure it's great for like them and their friends right mm-hmm. and so like i feel like our our shows in similar veins try to address like different right. filipino american topics that like share and enlighten folks and yours has a more feminist spin on it can I say where I saw tea fall for the first time? Sure. Here's a story. Ooh, I'm That's excited. why I thought, like, I was like, y'all the first, right? So, like, I remember I was at Zia Records, trying <gasps> to be real cool in punk rock, in 2016, I believe, at the end in December, and I saw your flyer. <gasps> I did yeah. that! Oh, my God, it we worked! We put out there, it worked! <laughs> Full circle! <laughs> yeah, and I was, like, walking around, I didn't find a CD, and I was like, hold up, is that a podcast <gasps> for yeah. our people? Yes! That was you. That was us. There's no yeah. empty efforts there. No. no. Got into our hands. Oh, my God. That's I mean, so cool. me and my desire to look at all the record stores all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and also just leave flyers everywhere. Yeah. So it like, um, We did that. We did that at Zero Records. Why were you there that year? Because we, we were probably up in Vegas just 
just for was fun. it a wedding or something? Or? No, I think it was. If it was 2016 or 2017, did you ask permission to put it there? You were like, Haha, well, usually for like music stores and stuff like that, it's if there's implied, I feel like cool. you can just put whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. We do that at Amoeba all the time <laughs> in LA. Um, and then we went to 11th Street Records and like. I didn't have any more flyers at the Aww. time. So I was like, can I put up one? And the guy's like, yeah, go for it. And then when he came back the following year, the flyer was still up. I wonder if it's still up. I wonder. So we should time go back. Go We're going to go check later. And then we'll or put up more later. And be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, again, I saw them. <laughs> That's amazing, That's though. So cool. yeah. I never know, like, if anyone ever sees the stickers. Yeah. We have stickers all like around the country. I thought it was a sticker too. I was like, can this be both a postcard and a sticker? And I was like, oh no, 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 <laughs> it's a postcard. A postcard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have stickers. I will give you some. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I need it on my laptop. Yes, your laptop, your water bottle. That's what stickers are for these days. Yeah. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Somebody's going to cite you again. Ooh, it's so exciting. (laughs) And um, you all had Tessa Winkleman on, and she was on one of our Las Vegas episodes. We heard, or I heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, because we went to college with Tessa. Uh So I have a question. Were you all in her class? No, definitely not. No, okay. (laughs) We were not. I mean, well, I was an undergrad 10 years ago. Okay. I think she started teaching here three years ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so um, with Tessa, like, you know, she was talking about how predominantly her students are white students, and I'm a history major, and th- she's she's right. Like, those classes, like, I was, like, only the um, Asian there, and so, um, like, we met Tessa because we started doing a thing at Constancio's where um, it's a very informal group of Filipino activists just hanging out over dinner. What's Constan- Constancio's? Um, I totally... I, so it doesn't even have a name. So okay. like Constancio, Dr. Constancio Arnaldo, who's um, one of Tessa's colleagues and mine, um, was just like, hey, you know what? I, I really want us to just hang out. Um, and I think he was inspired to do that because we tried to have a youth Filipino town hall, um, which went a little oh, yeah. haywire. <laughs> well, how did it go haywire? We can talk about the youth in a little bit. Okay. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's just like, I really like the energy here because he's such a positive man mm-hmm. and so he tried to gather us in an informal way and service Filipino vegan food he's really great and amazing like That's you so need to try the <laughs> isn't it so him though it was like the squash and you never think that lumpia and squash and like, well, actually, that's a live peanut bet. Like, let me backtrack on that. But and like, he has a great way of like infusing vegetarian and veganness yeah. with mm. like lumpia, I think is, Joe like, knows really him. Hard. Does oh. Joe? Know I'm pretty sure Joe. Yeah, knows. I mean Joe's in the academic. Joe, world. Yeah, yeah. So Joe has a PhD in history, and he knows a lot of these people. So he was just like, uh, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I know Tessa just because we were undergrads together. That's so, so that's, awesome. That's, it's weird. Do you think yeah. the two of you have changed since grad school? I mean, no, not really. But I think others ones tell us otherwise. Like, I don't know. Because, like, when I knew Tessa, she was, like, a REACH peer facilitator. Mm-hmm. The cohort before I was a REACH peer facilitator. And, reach? and REACH is, I don't think it exists anymore, but it was called Reaffirming Ethnic Awareness and Community Harmony. So we were essentially... That's a good acronym. (laughs) It was essentially like a student-led diversity training program. So like uh, the cohort of students, there'd be like 10 of us at the most, would go around campus at Irvine and give out, give diversity workshops, like how to do this. And so... um, um, my mentor, Anna Gonzalez, who's now like a dean at Harvey Mudd University or Harvey, Harvey Mudd College oh. at the Claremonts, um, she was the one who like led that. But And then I also think like she's the one that like got a lot of us 
people students of color to go to grad school like she had like wow. a, she had like a, a class that she did it wasn't really a real class but it was kind of like a come over to my house I will teach you how to like prepare to, for grad school like how to um, prepare for the GREs how to like approach personal statements and I remember I was like yeah I'll do it and I never showed up <laughs> or I went to one se- rebel. Wow. I went to like one <laughs> session but my friends who did go like there was like this spreadsheet that she taught everybody like so you're supposed to be like the name of the university how many letters of rec you need what the Whoa. GRE scores were what the oh personal statement like all of these things and like that thing got me through a lot of uh, grad applications and I used it later on when I was uh, a mentor for Sessions LA this uh, after school youth program that Mike started at SIPA Search and Involve mm-hmm. Filipino Americans because they were like high school youth and I just translated that to that to college high school students and I just think like oh all of that happened when I was like in my 20s under the gate uh, under the uh, under the mentorship of somebody who was in their 30s and now we're like Tessa and I are in that age where oh shoot we're the ones who have to do this for other people now so are you doing I don't fucking know (laughs) who knows position going (laughs) I mean I think I think the hope is that the podcast allows us to like explore that in like a range that goes beyond like one-on-one like contact. Cause yeah. like I left like the mentorship game in terms of like Filipino American community for mm-hmm. a very, like I don't really do that anymore. I, cause I work at a university yeah, myself. You do. So I'm like just mentoring students who come in. I'm thinking about your professor who did a lot of that work and how now we have the technology with podcasting to be like, okay, everyone's in my home, but not having to have everyone in my home. That was kind of the original intent, right, that Joe had is like you wanted to do some level of discourse, academic or otherwise, but not like a blog and not like Mm. random Facebook page, although we have a Facebook page, but at least something different that allowed us to kind of go into long form conversations, which is like, you know, why we ended up doing the podcast. But I, I want to take a step back and go back to like when you guys saw the flyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so what was the kind Backstory. of the what was the path from there? I guess. So um, the path from there, I would listen to. <laughs> so I found it in December, and I would listen to the podcast um, while I was wrapping gifts. Oh, awesome! And I've one, and I think it was a thing that I would do during Christmas, like because it's long, right? And I have to yeah. wrap a lot of gifts. And the, the one that I remember the most is um, when you did about the domestic worker who um, they didn't know about for a long time, like who's kind of enslaved by a family. Oh, the Katulung episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the Alex Dizon um, yeah. article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite part of that is this website you had named, because it's been a couple of years, and it was just like, you can trail how many things you do in your daily life that trail back to how you oh, your to oppression. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, damn, like, you know... Um, it I mean, really sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> but I mean, like that was that that was an access to a resource immediate from the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that you this podcast is modeled a lot for a lot of the emerging ones that came out this year, along with us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that what you all do. Um, y- there's a colleague of yours that you've had on a couple of times. I guess her name is Nicole. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. their name is Nicole. And um, I was like, who is this person? I'm really fascinated by them. And are they like a grad student here? Is that what it is? Or I think it's really great that you mistaken them for a grad student because they have that kind of poise and that kind of heart. And they are not a grad student. They're planning to go into grad school. And I, I'm glad you saw that in them. Yeah. Um, Nicole is kind of 
um, an alone phenomenon, you know, I mean, like is very openly non-binary, but also open about critiques like okay let me give you a short story so I had (laughs) I had like I said one thing about Disney like I was just like oh hey I think they're catering to Asian audiences with the new streaming services man I got really like crapped on about talking about Disney and I was joking like man I'm sorry Church of Disney and then Nicole backed me up and like with historical context like hey you know for years that they've been capitalizing on Asian audiences. Yeah. Like, Jean's not yeah. wrong. And so I was like, what do you mean you got crapped on? I got crapped on. Okay, so, <laughs> like, Anytime. people got really mad that I uh, ha- had a critique about Disney. And it wasn't even negative. I was just straight up like, hey, I saw floats coming out yeah. with Pixar. And they're like, that's enticing, right? Like, yeah. hey, flo- the our one Pixar movies on the streaming service. So I'm like, I keep seeing that. And I keep seeing Ming-Na Wen, you know, the actress yeah. that does Mulan. Like, she's in The Mandalorian. So I was like, okay, like, they're really playing to they're really playing on my heartstrings Disney streaming service right and so I I had called that out like and people were really mad they're like (laughs) people were really mad at me they were like you know Disney really tries to cater to diversity and you know (laughs) are are these people like also Asian or no they are not one one person who was Thai who was like you know Jean like uh, they get their money from the park tickets, not from like okay. viewers. Which is not true. Actually. Which is not true. As as people who Mike and I and myself we are annual pass holders. Okay. So okay, okay. Um, I we <laughs> what your opinion was is very true. Um, I'm going to agree with you. And also, like Disney is business at the end of the day. They're just trying to make money, exactly. and they're seeing the trend with Crazy Rich Asians and how people are coming out for it. Also, they make a shit ton of money with their. Disneyland did Beijing and yes. the one in Hong Kong and all those others in Shanghai and so that's where all the real yeah, money they know, is they're going to where the money is and all these people who are like going off let's just be real any, I mean, isn't like a Disneyland Brazil or any, Disneyland <laughs> Canada, you know, all so the like, tentpole <laughs> movies have Chinese backing thank you and so like if you're gonna see anything like Mike and I, I Mike knows what I do mm-hmm. I call it when I see the Chinese person cause I'm cause like what film was it? It must have been shit, Godzilla or mm, something sci-fi. It might have been Godzilla because like the new Godzilla, right? Yeah. There was and there was like the random one Chinese, random like, Chinese person, and I'm like, you're here because of Chinese exactly. money, because a billionaire, because of that industry, because they have so much capital. So if Disney yes. is gonna do that, that's what they're gonna do. Yes. And you know what? It's a business, but also it gave us Bobby Rubio's float that's yes. coming out like in a couple of weeks. Exactly. And like, w- you know, you gotta. Go with the flow. Right. And um, what is the thing that you say? There is no like, um, there is no like something about capitalism. There's no, there's no such thing as ethical capitalism. Yeah. You, you, you accept it for what it is. You find a balance in your life, like the things that you value and trying to stay true to like not being exploited, but at the same time recognizing that if you're going to live in this paradigm, you are part of that system. And the only way to like escape that, go to uh, some island, Mm -hmm. which will probably destroy the biodiversity (laughs) of by your own presence. But we're all going to have an impact in some way or another, right? So the goal, I think, of life is to not be terrible and to be really cognizant of that, but also accept that you're going to have to make choices in this life that might have negative consequences. But that's... Thank what you. Life yeah. is, so. Thanks for um, supporting that point, Elaine. Because like I was just like, finally, people are like, "Hey, Asi- the Asians have had money. Let's like yeah. let's recognize that for once." And to be frank, their merch is even better. Yeah, like, I wish I. My dream goal is to go to Tokyo Sea because the merch mm. there is so much better. Also, Tokyo Sea is the Disney property that is based off of 21,000 leagues but under by Jules Verne. Whoa. 
that and also the proper the Disney properties in Tokyo in Japan are technically just like they're leasing the t- the Disney name, so they're not technically affiliated. Oh, with really? Oh. Yes, I learned this it's from like a franchise. Ca- it's a franchise. You are like a Disney historian. Yeah, we're uh, yeah, because I like love. Key. It's not low key. Oh, it's <laughs> not low key at all. <laughs> I super wear it on my sleeve. We go to the parks at least once a month. I've been already thinking like we need to go anyway. For Thank somebody. you for being fair with that point. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I mean. I get it, like the world's on fire, but like <laughs> I go to Disneyland to enjoy, like to, right. it's an escapism, right? And I also know that like it's not a right to go to Disneyland; it is a privilege that mm. I pay for. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna Ooh. demand like an organization to be like, "This is blah blah blah." I'm like, "Yo, I know <laughs> I'm paying a lot of money to come here and spend more money because I enjoy." the mouse that is kind of evil but whatever (laughs) and i think it's it's all about having an awareness and just holding yourself accountable for it and like just being able to know and be able to point that out at the end of the day Mm -hmm. that makes it like the strongest like point in these places and the storytelling is what gets me at the end of the day Mm -hmm. right like they're really good at storytelling and if universal had that i would totally be there all the freaking time (laughs) because they have Harry Potter land and apparently (laughs) Minions land but like I can only do that so much so far and the Simpsons area I like the donuts in the Simpsons area yeah the Minions land is kind of small and like Mike didn't even know what it was Like, it's like what is Leave this movie? yeah like the main things at Universal Studios are like Harry Potter land uh Simpsons land I, these are probably these are not real names by the way these are just the yeah. I was like I never heard Universal's like really mad because <laughs> I'm sure it's like Wizarding World of Hogwarts but I mean I guess Hogwarts. just in, in general the point is like you know there are things that we're going to latch onto because there's that desire for some kind of visibility or acknowledgement of culture but at the same time recognizing that it's not necessarily the best way mm-hmm. or perfect in any way or you know, so we, there's times when we're going to grab whatever is out there and just say like, oh, at least there's that, you know, but also right. recognizing that the process that it took to get there and the, the means of production and everything else are probably problematic in different ways. Yeah. But you find a balance somehow. I yeah. Think. yeah. 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 So uh, this is a random question. Mm-hmm. All of these questions will be random. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because we don't have an outline. Have an outline. <laughs> I'm like Rose. Rose yeah. is very, very organized. No. <laughs> Compared it's to a facade. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, so Mike and I were in undergrad like 15 years ago, and then you said you're in undergrad like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You were the most recent grad, right? Yes, I am. Last year, yeah. La- oh, this year. This year. Damn. This year, May. Thank you. Okay. Babies. So, oh, 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 so, oh, oh. <laughs> we're all safe we're listeners we're all safe <laughs> um so like tech in the in the generational terms mm-hmm. uh mike and i are zenials if you believe is the new thing <laughs> which is like gen x i don't think I mike think likes that is gen Xer, <laughs> okay because like because nice. ni- we're 1980 like straight 1980 and like mm. so like 88 83 mm-hmm. those three years get mishmashed into like millennial slash gen x so like the term that i saw was xenial which is a combo of both and xenial like, rising I, I, I gen x yeah 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 and then there's Why? like gens uh, so i guess that would make you a millennial i think i'm a le- like i'm elderly pretty you're millennial elderly yeah. millennial middle millennial and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then you're uh, do you consider are yourself you a, a millennial or i do consider Z? myself a millennial oh, okay. a while ago. yeah <laughs> it's a very, gen y fit in there is that the xenials 
No, there's no Gen Y. What's Gen Z? There's, is Gen Z? Gen, Gen Z is what's one. current. Like, we sound like a bunch of old people. We're old. We're old. Okay, boomer. Well, I bring that it up because insult. of the okay, boomer. <laughs> um, and just how like um, I had this conversation with Joe. How like and maybe you, Mike, but like. We are now the age of the people that we used to look up to in college. Mm-hmm. And so do you all have that kind of aspect of like yourself? And then like, how does that translate to your activism in terms of mentorship to other generations of philams out here? Well, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about like what it's like for me personally. Mm-hmm. So um, right now I'm in my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm turning twenty six next Friday, Ooh. and um, being in this like weird conundrum of like being in my mid twenties, trying to figure my life out, being in the middle of helping my mother t- transition into retirement, having to go ahead and uh, really do these quote unquote grown up things, even though I feel like I've been doing them for years, mm-hmm. you know, um, even in my early 20s and in my older teen years. Um, now I'm in a space and I'm also a educator and leader in my community mm-hmm. um, because I'm a teacher, because I have students that look up to me and talk to me so much and it's 90 of them you know needing guidance and especially um i don't know if you know this about las vegas um we're highly segregated here uh in Mm. terms of like where lines of um race are so uh where i teach at is a high high hispanic or you know latinx population okay and um very small like minority of asians Mm -hmm. then you have white and black okay and then other and so um a lot of the times like i have to feel like i'm a voice for like my students and as well as an advocate, especially when people um, outside of mm-hmm. our like you know our district or within our region that we're at in Vegas, um, I have to step up and like advocate for my kids because there's already this um, stigma that happens when you come from the east side in Vegas, oh. and so like a lot of my kids feel that uh, pressure. They feel that and they come to school and they're a lot of the times unmotivated. They don't want to learn. They don't want to, uh, you know, do things because they live um, in the east side where you have to do hardcore labor. You have to assist with parents. You have siblings that you need to take care of. You need to be the parent. And so sometimes those mirror Filipino culture, like Mm -hmm. or like, you know, what we do as immigrants. And I think it's just immigrant culture in general. But being able to go ahead and be an educator and be a mentor and be all these things for students and being in this generation, Mm -hmm. you know, and talking to like Generation Z is just so I don't know how to explain it. It's weird, right? Uh, just trying. Do to you find see that. it with your students who are in college? Um, so <laughs> sometimes I feel like I talk to my students and they have a sense of amnesia in what their culture is, um, because you know we just saw the reemergence of UNLV FASA come back yep. this year. Um, I think they're trying to mobilize, trying to do a community kamayan. Um, <laughs> I have a very conflicted. Um, relationship with mentorship because um, as an undergrad I was I was mobilized so much where I burned out as a student leader mm-hmm. and you know even when I was an undergrad I was one of the few who did cultural presentations for FASA and a lot of them like why is this important and even today as the as the student population has grown it's like why is this important and the work that I do particularly on campus is to um not only, what do you call this? Not only um, 
mobilizing particularly student women students of color, but that they don't always have to go into one path, mm-hmm. right? Especially from someone like myself who's worked food for 10 years, right? Who dabbled in art and activism and the leadership industry and fitness and all this stuff. I was just like, you can be five different things at one time. Um, and there's a lot of conflictual conversations that happen in confidence with me, which is just like, well, I like five different things. I love dance, I love art, I'm in science, um, but I hate it and I fall asleep and I cry. And so we're having these conversations and um, I think it's really hard for me to be like, I don't want you to live my life of five different jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just like, I think that young Filipinos should have a chance to see what that looks like when you're into five different things. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I have conflictual stuff because I, I can tell them the world's greatest advice and they still got to go home to parents who apply this pressure. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really conflictual because like I don't want to create a facade of like success. I want to have yeah. real conversations. It's like I feel very conflicted because um, even when I encourage students about activism, they are taken by um, community members in Las Vegas who tire out that enthusiasm and that passion, and then they resent Filipino culture. So it's this really yeah, like chew I out, spit them out system. The burnout is real, mm-hmm. like because there's no time for rest mm-hmm. or there's no expectations for rest. And I know that like we've both had those experiences. Yeah, it ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah. and I think like you find yourself needing to take a rest, and then you find yourself aching to be back in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's some real. You know, because I was listening um, to the Las Vegas episode, and I think that what really struck with me was just like, you know, it's um, it's the people our age, the two um, activists that you had who were older. Oh, Tita like, Gloria, we Tita Rosita. We yeah. were just talking about them. Yeah, yeah and like they're just like, you know, they don't they don't care to vote. They don't care to vote. You know, like my our parents' generation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I kept thinking to contextualize it because I I think it's important to humanize why they are resistant, right? And so, you know, I've, I've just recently started reading about the Marcos era and how their generation was a generation of student activism, but they saw their peers die. So they come here and they think, this is USA prosperity. Why fight, right? It's I'm not living there, so it's a little bit better. Why, why be part of any contention in election? So maybe that's, I mean, it's a theory, but maybe that's why they hang back, you know? They saw peers like, I mean, my dad tells me this story. There was a student march. Him and his friend were getting high on top of a building. And his friend pisses on the student leader in the front of the march, right? And my dad's like a bystander. And then because it it was supposed to be a peaceful march, um, the the student leader at the parade looks up and is kind of mad at being pissed off at. But he looks like he's being angry. So he gets shot at. And my dad says this story like lighthearted and stuff. And like, that has to have some kind of trauma on leadership for my father, right? That's why he hangs back because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, well, that's that's the cost of standing out. That's the cost of, so yeah, I like to, like, I mean, I was on that stage of my life where I'm like, my parents don't understand, but I'm like, maybe I don't really understand them. What was that movie that we watched? We just, at, uh, uh, Once a Moth. So there's this, sem- like, um, Array Studios is Ava DuVernay's creative campus in historic Filipino town. Mm-hmm. And they partner- partnered with Marie Jamora, who's a director, a filmmaker, um, who, was, who was based in the Philippines, is now based in L.A. Mm-hmm. And um, they did a, Philippine ex- a Hello Hi-Fi Philippine X Fiesta, which was, like, a bunch of Filipino films. And one of them was a film called Once a Moth. I I will butcher the Tagalog, so I, and I also can't remember it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it had Nora Anor, and it was made in the seventies, mm-hmm. in the era of like Marcos 
coming to power. Yeah. And it was very heavy handed in terms of like the messaging in it, which was like, you know, like Nora Nora was the lead and she was trying to uh, work her paperwork to come to America because she's a nurse. And then her boyfriend got her boyfriend's family got caught up with like issues with the base, mm. like the PX and the base. And yeah. And like it was very much like America gets to do whatever the fuck they want in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very. And they get politicized through it, right? They get politicized through it, yeah. Um, and like, but they also talk about like the student movements and like that yeah. happening at the same time. And yeah. they kind of like like refer to it in a kind of a disdainful kind of way. Like, oh, are you going to become a, or like a, yeah. a protester or whatever? Like, yeah. as if it was like a bad thing. <clears throat> but then like slowly throughout the movie, it almost kind of like in a salt of the earth style kind of narrative. Yeah. Where like these things just start happening. They're like, we have to like say something or do something like mm. wow how can this be the state of the affairs aren't we our own country right yeah you know? so but, but if, if you get a hint or a sense of like how were the protesters in the philippines perceived by just kind of the general public that like this is how they were depicted in a movie right yeah you i noticed that's a tr- uh, trend in your show that you talk about you you address like the trauma that a lot of our parents or like your mm-hmm. your parents have experienced and why it causes them to be like disillusioned in terms of being activists. Yeah. yeah. And then is that like a similar um, sentiment across the board with like the students that are out here? So in some of my interactions, because we a long time ago before I became an activist, there used to be a thing called heart to heart talk, you know, and so they would have these real conversations. And I tried to instill that this year. And when I go to high schools, um, they're very there's no passion for the students, right? It's very mm-hmm. functional. Like, I ask them, what do you guys do for fun? We stay home and clean. We don't go out. We don't drive anywhere. You know, young people don't really drive anywhere anymore either. And so um, it's very different. So there's, we, we don't think of also too, when we're talking about this election piece or like voting, is that these are working Filipinos, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't have time to have heart to heart conversations. They don't have time to really cultivate. They're in survival mode. Like, hey, get the, get this better job. I need you to help me clean because I'm home working three hu- or away from home working three hustles in some casinos like to get this done. And so I think that we're training this new generation to also lay low in mm-hmm. Las Vegas um, and they don't want to complicate that. Cause in, particularly somewhere in your area of Rose, yeah. um, there's a lot of them who are re-signing up for military um, positions because mm-hmm. they're it worked for their family. Mm-hmm. And if they were to operate si- outside of that, like she's like, one of them's like, I'm gonna be an engineer in the military, right? And I asked them why, right? And they're like, well, this is the only way my family can afford it. So this mm-hmm. is still a narrative that we there that helps. Survive. It sounds like out here, it's very much like a lower middle class type yes. of like yes. Filipino. Um, class system or some or situation yeah right and like there's a privilege attached to go being able to go to college mm-hmm. oh for sure right and there's like a privilege attached to being able to have the conversations that we're even having right right mm-hmm. um because i i do think that that's an important narrative to put out there um for filipinos because i think it's so easy to get caught up in the survival mode aspect yeah. Yeah. that I think a lot of immigrant um, families go through and like their children are ending ending up it's a lot of like I feel like I'm in a sense of like breaking the cycle in terms of the survival mentality that mm-hmm. our yeah, parents I think, have instilled in I us. think the thing we've tried to emphasize to our own parents and 
varying degrees of success is that <laughs> survival mode includes standing up for the things you see as unjust, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just about getting by and that if you have the opportunity, ability and privilege to kind of get involved and like really highlight right. and, and change the things that are happening in your community, um, that is just as important part of survival as anything else. I mean, it really speaks to sustainability yeah. as a community. And I mean, my parents, you know, they never really understood you know, what I was doing kind of towards the end of college was getting involved with Filipino veterans and then moving out to L.A. and ending up living in Filipino town and mm-hmm. working. I mean, they were just like, you know, their their whole mentality was like, what did they ever do for you? Yeah. You know, like they the community and, and, and in saying that their pain was that they felt like when they came here, their community was nearly never there for them, although that's not quite true. It's just kind of like the narrative that they as they tried to survive in this country, they kind of built for themselves that like you know, who was looking out for us other than our family, you know, mm-hmm. so why should we care about someone who's not even from our province or wrong guy? So deep, yeah. So. Yeah, like those provincial divisions still um, exist. So I have a question for the two of you. Do your parents listen to the po- your podcast? I don't think so. Not that I know of. <laughs> it's, and you, that's an awareness, but it doesn't the general awareness, to, but yeah. to like, look into it. I just think with everyone's conversation about this, that something really beautiful is happening. Like they may not be aware of their full impact of parenting because it's so important to us yeah. that we provide some kind of communion in the diaspora. But I just think that's like maybe someday like they'll fully. <laughs> I mean, really? we put it on Mike's mom's phone. <laughs> what, the podcast? Yeah. Oh, did she subscribe? Oh, because we want to get those numbers. You know? <laughs> I was like, Give me your Gotta phone. We'll <laughs> I mean, they're, they're aware of what we do when we show up on the news. Yeah, which, and then they're kind of proud. They're, they're kind of like, well, look, look, they're on news, but then sometimes they'll be like, oh, your, your cousin saw you at the immigration march on on like the Mexican news channel. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, about that, because <laughs> it's, I, I, it's also like I think we have. Our parents are very different. Like Mike's, Mike's, you can speak do too. tell. Yeah, well, my tell. parents are from Iloilo. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. My mom, she was a federal worker, but like she kind of just kind of came along with him. And they're very conservative. Very conservative, oh. card-carrying Republicans. Um, you know, we're probably going to go to uh, the A-Fest tomorrow. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, we got to go, like, you know. They have stuff. sales. It's Veterans Day weekend care. sales. Sure. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're from Ventura County. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, still live near the military base. So, like, yeah, it's a very part and parcel of our, our so life. So that's very, like... It- Oh, that's Mike's family story. Mm-hmm. And then my family story is very different in that while my parents are very conservative in terms of values, like they're super Catholic, we did the block rosary and whatnot, but my dad um, is a Democrat. And my both my parents are registered Democrat because wow. I think my mom got bullied into like, because my dad was like, if I'm <laughs> a Democrat, you have to be it, which is fine. And the only reason they were Democrats is because JFK is Catholic and then he was a Democrat. Makes he was sense. Democratic president. And my dad was an activist in the Philippines. Um, and he was like, uh, he had run for president of his college or wow. whatever, like all those type of things. But he, had, and he was very like, he had experiences with martial law he almost got like he was out past curfew and he had to like mm-hmm. hide mm-hmm. because they were looking yeah. for yes. people and like the stories he tells are so the flippant way Filipinos of that generation or yeah. era who lived through martial law like the way that people tell those stories yeah it's 
freaking it's bonkers yes. like my yeah. dad told yes. me this story where my Lola was upset that he was out gallivanting mm-hmm. and drinking so he, she locked the front door so she he couldn't get into the house past curfew and my right. Lola did that did that to teach my dad a lesson right, right? this is in martial <laughs> law my Lola was like you can go out drinking with your buddies well screw you you're gonna get picked up by the police right. so my dad ends up hiding in a ditch as the police like are going out and he's probably drunk and drunk right and there's a guy also in the ditch hiding and he tells the guy, hey, shut the fuck up because like mm-hmm. I don't want to get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he sleeps there until the next day and then my Lola opens the door and he, she's able to go in. And he's like, yeah, you know, that's just what happened. And I'm like literally like listening to the story like, that's not normal. Yeah, Like not this no is not a normal could've... situation. Mm-hmm. But like Filipinos just have that, those, there's so many of those stories yes. attached to it, right? I'm really glad he told you because they, I mean, like mm-hmm. they don't talk about that. Like, so your folks don't. I feel like we had the same dad because my dad did yeah. the same like yeah. stuff too, where he was just ro- like roaming around, slept on a bench, but he was agitating stuff at night. So then he hid. Yeah. And then they gathered a bunch of the youth that they did yeah. find, and they shot all of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So my, but and my parents. So this is another story that I I don't know if I've actually shared this. In, well, I'm going to share it right now. <laughs> so when I when I was a kid and would go to church with my mom and dad, um, mm-hmm. we always sat in the last in the last three pews. My dad never wants to sit in the front because he never wanted to be seen because he had he left the Philippines under the impression that people wanted to kill him. Wow! Like he they had a hit out for him, so he had this paranoia. Uh, um, with him and he was sad the day that I had to I no longer use diapers because my dad kept a loaded 45 in my diaper bag wow oh my all the time <laughs> and so I was like he told me that I was like huh like what you brought a gun to church and I didn't even think about it but that was just a regular occurrence and then for a little bit I think he kept it in his camera bag but then he just stopped because my dad is like our family historian. So yeah. he would, and this he also a wonderful story. And so <laughs> I'm just imagining a baby with a gun in their what? Yeah. Just like, <laughs> the level of trauma, like, no. right? right. Oh and, then there's, and then all the other like my relatives didn't say anything, and I just looked at my mom like you just let him do that, and she just like shrugged it off like whatever. It's just what we did. And um, but I think about it now, and I'm like, oh, I have a lot of that those traumatic things mm-hmm. ingrained in me because like to this day like I don't like sitting to the front of church mm-hmm. like I don't want to be seen by people also I don't really go to church anymore so whatever <laughs> but like um, you're like way outside the last same I mean <laughs> sure I go to church quote unquote um, at Christmas and yeah, yeah same same <laughs> but like you know those are the things that you learn because of the trauma from your parents yeah. right yeah. like what's well, like it's um what was it like it's, it's it's not just passed on through experiences it's transferred through, it's transferred through, it's transferred of trauma yeah, yeah. transferred of trauma like yeah. almost in our dna if you yeah. think about it like the memory trauma. generation yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. Yeah. that is some real real stuff i mean like i just yeah it's um it, they say it so lightheartedly but it's like that's especially scary. at a time when we're old enough to like well which is yeah I now that, then yeah. They, they reveal that so it's like I you know. can handle this now and it's like here's wait what <laughs> well, you like, put a diaper in my what yeah <laughs> well it's also like I think because they view us as adults they think like oh well when I was an adult your age I was going through x y and z yeah so like uh-huh. their expectation is why do you think this is so hard? You sh- right. We we had to live through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just very much like a re... 
I think it's almost my boss. I'm like, I feel like every day now it's like reparenting my parents. Yes. That's the real thing. That's what we're, <laughs> right? that's the, we're at that yeah. age now. Yeah. Like, oh, damn, yeah. Unfortunately, but true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, what about you, Rose? Like, how is, we've been sharing about our experiences. Like, how has it been with your parents? You said that your Well, my mom parents is- are separated. Okay. Um, So, like, uh, my father uh, was abusive in terms of, um, finances as well as you know like not so full-on domestic abuse once I got older yes there were times when there was domestic abuse within the home um but as soon as I started getting older like my father knew that he couldn't go ahead and do that and then it became financial abuses and then my parents just split off Mm -hmm. um currently it's me and my mom who are living together um I'm helping support my mom my mom helped support me and she helped me throughout college after I got her out of um, that situation with my father Mm -hmm. um basically you know in that time um I was in a big rut I wasn't sure about where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this big idea that I wanted to, like, you know, be in theater. I wanted mm-hmm. to be, like, a techie. I wanted to go ahead and write. And mm-hmm. I love performing. I love uh, acting. And that's still my passion today. Um, but at that time, I had to quit, uh, you know, going to school, um, to UNLV, because I was going for theater. And then I took a whole year off. And then I took up two jobs, and one of them was working at a captioning center, which drained my energy. A and, what center? Uh, captioning center. You should explain oh. why. Um, so a captioning center yeah. for the hard of hearing, okay? Ah. Um, basically, uh, I would listen to phone calls, and uh-huh. then I would go ahead and translate it into text for someone who's hard of hearing oh. or deaf to read, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not all machines, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Machines. Um, and, like, the real kicker here, though, is, like, m- the most... Most of our customers were comprised of elderly uh, um, seniors, you know, around yeah. America, and most of them were white. And they had let me rhetoric. just tell you that these conversations, yeah, Ooh. they were, you know, behind closed doors. Yeah, like, and most of their employees are people of color. So I'm mm-hmm. not just Rose, but like a lot of other people who like couldn't survive. So is that an industry yeah. out here? In yeah, Las Vegas, yeah, you know, Las Vegas is popular oh. for having call centers, and it just continues to grow out here. Oh. Um, but with mine specifically, it was a captioning, captioning phone calls. Phone calls. It would in private, and these people weren't exactly aware. Holy so shit. everyone had to like you know sign like you know a, like a so contract. you signed like an NDA. Like, I won't talk about it as long as I don't name drop and put phones and blah 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 and personal information. But I can be at least like they were racist motherfuckers. So I'll say that. <laughs> oh, so your NDA doesn't allow you to like point out who they are but oh, you can no. but then you could like write about like your experiences oh and hell yeah i can i was like these yeah. motherfuckers that is fascinating and it was that's really horrible. draining every day and also that's emotionally draining also they uh my my center also opened a uh, um branch in manila uh oh. so but what pissed me off and this is why another reason why i was so happy to quit at the time was that they paid those in the Philippines less than what they paid us here. Of course. Yeah. So a fucking course, right? Yeah. And then also having like calls out from like, you know, cause it's popular now that a lot of call centers are being put in the Philippines yeah. and you have Filipino workers, you yeah. know, who are receiving these calls from America, Yeah, you know? And then I have to hear that. And then I have to hear the blatant racism that comes from that interaction that is happening. Oh, One person yeah. was like, I don't want to speak to someone who's Filipino. I want to speak to someone in America now. And I was just like, wow, really? Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Especially when wow. they need the assistance. And, yeah. you know, and we see that a lot, of course, in historical patterns of leaning mm-hmm. on the assistance of brown folks to get by. <laughs> to get, and then, like, part of this was with me, like, look, 
just get that get the get the bread so you can just go yeah. get out and then I'll graduate and then that's the only reason I stayed with that job it was to go ahead maintain my finances support my mom and then go get through school yeah so I was working that job and I was also be uh, able to work as a um, after school uh, drama teacher for like Aww. an hour and a half work with little kids you know um, and was that giving you joy of, <laughs> oh there was this one kid that pissed me off but that's about yeah, that. it don't hang on to that there's one there's always one kid well, there's always there's gonna always be one kid but I, yeah. I, I used to teach in like more of like the white areas in Vegas so uh-huh. Summerlin and Henderson so where they like, could afford drama <laughs> where they could afford a drama teacher after school and I'm like well oh, here we go hi so um, taught there and then was going to school so full time school two jobs supporting my mom and just kind of just going through it and then when I was taking that time away from school, because I didn't go to school till like a year after my parents, uh, got it, you know, separated. And it took that time for me to kind of really find that awakening with myself. Like, mm-hmm. what is going on? You know, like yeah. what what does it mean for me to be in this position? Is it partly just society, me, my? Do I just have shitty parents? Yeah. And then it became a real reflection of like my identity, and then being able to be around people like Jean. You know, because like before I dropped out of school, I met Jean. I was just going to ask, how did the two of you hook up and meet and, all, oh. and then like forge this friendship that caused that started this podcast? You want to tell them our love story? So I should preface it by saying that um, I am a faculty staff member who loves to infiltrate classrooms <laughs> in a way that I'm not even supposed to be there. So um, I try to on campus try to hang out with a bunch of student feminists and student um, Asian activists. So I found I auditioned for uh, the vagina of monologues uh-huh. yeah, oh. yeah. Um, my student was running the program and I was like whatever I'm gonna hang out here and Rose was uh, by far the most talented person to oh, I'm not even just saying that like stop. like very a fully committed ham um, to her monologue and so um, but I was just like all right I have I'm too old to be making young friends so I'm just gonna hang back with my mini monologue <laughs> and Rose um, the day of the production Rose came up to me and asked if I was Filipino <laughs> just <laughs> the whole time I'm like all across the room looking at Jean and like every rehearsal I'm like I'm not sure <laughs> But I'm gonna ask anyways. I do yeah. that all the time. Blaine always. I feel like that's always a Filipino thing. Like you're like, like, are you Filipino? I oh, always preface here's it our with. Podcast. <laughs> I mean, literally, that is what I do. I go random question: Are you Filipino? And the person will be like, yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I give them a sticker, or I give them a business card, or I give them a postcard, and be like, hey, so I have this podcast. Um, blah 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 blah. Take a listen, or like, can I feature you on our that's Instagram? Awesome. Awesome. Like that's been the like networking opening. So, but so yeah. you found each other. But yeah, so we, we found each other. Um, I I honestly have a very stressful uh, job because she mobilizing does. student leadership in a time and era of trolling is there's a lot of reluctance. Yeah. So I was just like, whatever. Mm. I suck at this job. Rose saw me on a day that I was having a bad day at the coffee shop here on campus, and um, she was studying super hard for an independent study. Oh yeah, with a uh, Constancio. Yeah. yeah, and so um, she's just like, hey, let's talk. And I'm like, damn it. Like 30 minutes later, I'm like, 
I was, I was, this wasn't even a lunch break. And so, yeah, we were like, okay, bye. And you, know? you become friends? We it came was a be series friends. of like yeah. happy coincidences. And then we both ended up uh, becoming research assistants for Neon Podcast. Yeah. So oh. um, basically. What is Neon it, Podcast? Uh, Neon, Neon Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, so that's what the Asian American Studies uh, program is trying to do here oh, okay. at UNLV because it is really hard to captivate um, Asian American students at UNLV. So the chair was like, look, let's do this. This is the way to get a wide X. Ex- expanse and also get research and maybe make a book and so he got the few of us who were active and um and it was also about like talking about asian americans living in las vegas because mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about the underbelly that is vegas yeah you know especially like even the filipino community and that's like what we also wanted to do is to be able to take our narratives and take yeah. these experiences and talk about what it means to live in las vegas as yeah. a filipino and as yeah. an asian american yeah i think when we did those series of like las vegas shows it was only like a very small snippet of like what life is like out here right um because like there's so much more to this city beyond the strip and i oh, think yeah. my favorite part of the city is actually exploring like i actually hate the strip yeah <laughs> to be it's honest exhausting it is and i'm only there because the rooms are typically yeah. free and somebody else has gotten them so mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly yeah. my parents mostly my parents but like i love to i mean that's how we got to zia's yeah and like most likely while we're gonna go to like 11th street records like when we're here and other and if you oh any, we're gonna go record shopping and if you yeah. have their and you know, what I actually do when I so this this is the thing that I've been doing so I do a lot of conferences for work and other things it's mm-hmm. like I'll go to the record store go directly to like the World Music International section to see if there are any Filipino records because it it kind of gives you a sense of like oh we're out here too somewhere yeah. you know and like when we we're in like New Orleans I think I picked up something right yeah. now, that's so right? cool and so I was just kind of like oh I want to know is there is our people out here somewhere. Yeah. You know, and like if you find records, that means they've been there for a while um, or that just, you know, anyway, it's just it's just it's just my way of kind of like. That's a good metric to yeah, have. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because um, one of the episodes about Las Vegas, just like the amount of uh, Filipino establishments means that there's they're here. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And so, just continues to grow. Like we're yeah. not going to like decrease populations. Like that's why like they've d- developed two more seafood cities here. Right? There are two more. Where are the other two? So there's uh, the original one that's right na- now on Flamingo. The other one is in Summerlin mm-hmm. um, near Fort Apache. And then the other one is in Henderson. Yeah. So that's where mm-hmm. upper, upper to middle class Filipinos mm-hmm. uh in like, Summerlin? In Summerlin and, and Henderson. like Richard Henderson. Richard Henderson. Yeah. So there's three locations now. Oh. And so, you know, it's interesting that you talk about a free room because, you know, our city actively tries to entice Californians to come over. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I forget which researcher wrote this about us being the new Detroit in terms of affordable living. Um, jobs and whatnot is enticing to Out here people. in Las Vegas? Yeah. While doing like a labor-intensive job. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I was wondering... You mentioned call centers, right? Yeah. And so, like, Las Vegas is known for, like, hospitality. Um, UNLV right. has one of, like, the top hospitality, right. um, like, majors or, like, programs. Right. And, yeah. like, I remember in college when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, I was like, oh, maybe we can work at a hotel, but there's nothing like that at, at UCI. Mm-hmm. The closest thing in California that had a program like that was at Cal Poly Pomona because they had a hospitality program. And I was like, oh, shit, like, this doesn't exist and then UNLV came up and I'm like it's the top one and I'm like oh it makes sense there's casinos there's restaurants there's all mm-hmm. these things that would require that but then I'm like but what else is here because it can't all be right. like a whole city should could not be um like survived by a casino no, like, yeah no <laughs> yeah there's I mean there's the off 
off the strip casinos, that's for sure. Um, Other industries that are being... um, that are being strengthened here is definitely the restaurant industry. Like mm-hmm. maybe two years ago, you would drive up Spring Mountain and there were vacancies in the pockets of no um, restaurants. Mm-hmm. Now every every um, strip rest- mall, yeah, strip mall is filled. They built a new plaza lit. too. Like, yeah, right I mean, now. like, and to me, um, and this comes up in Neon Pacific too, um, with one of our colleagues, um, Armina is. Um, why there's two now existing Chinatowns where there's two now. There's two. Mm-hmm. So there's, of course, the one right by the The strip. older one? Yeah, the yep. older one, which is definitely popping. And then for those who don't want to have to tackle Spring Mountain or the Strip, they go to, um, uh, where is it around? Southwest? Southwest, yeah. It's yeah. that new one. <laughs> yeah, and so um, that'll come like up on very the near, Pacific. Like downtown Summerlin. Yeah, that's by our researcher friend, Armina Guelas. We love you, Armina. <laughs> I love this. I'm learning so much right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess how would you just in general, though, characterize, I guess, I mean, these are broad stroke questions, I think, <laughs> the Filipino community out here and what it means to organize in that space. Yeah. Like, what are the things that people are most concerned with and what are the things that they probably should be most concerned so with? So, an example, right? Yeah. So, um, our experience of like what our organizing is in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I've always organized around arts organizations. So. I love that about you. Yeah, I was I was tied to an organization called Film Arts for a very long time, and recently it was Visual Communications, which is a, a API film and TV like archival um, institution in Los Angeles. And then Mike organizes around Justice for Filipino American Veterans and like immigration and stuff. immigration yeah. stuff. So like. Um, and this that's is all just a, on the side. This is <laughs> our, this is our like uh, organizing. That's our pockets, right? So, yeah. what is the organizing pockets around here, or that you actually like would have found homes in? Jean is more the expert in this area, and but also <laughs> like talking about organizing in Vegas is very interesting because we are a quote unquote young city still, um, right. still developing and known to be very transient as mm. well. So it's hard to organize uh, when you have people who grow up here but then move out and go to either Cali or go to the East Coast mm-hmm. to go ahead and find those jobs and so. I think it's definitely yeah. hard to organize in a 24 hour city because people have these crazy graveyard shifts and whatnot yeah. and the level of like, is something political important at all if mm-hmm. I if it's not putting money on my table or clothing my kids? So I think that for the few colleagues that I know who are in the same caliber of activism as myself, they were spotlighted and seen by other political entities and have been taken. You know what I mean? Mm. Like so they're now they're using all their energy for either like gun violence or like, you know, of other um, ethnic groups or other political things so it's just like so where is this talent left to mobilize still our community like um when we started filipino um um, filipino forward here just maybe one or two years ago we had some heavy hitters um along with myself and each of them have been hired by assembly people or you know what's filipino forward so at the time this is it's really conflicting so we were um put together as a group of uh, youths, me being the older one, um, that we're trying to mobilize the college community, so to speak. So there's four four or five of us, but each of them were on campaigns. So they're burning out as we were trying to hold a town hall. And Campaigns uh, for like political campaigns? Yeah, political like campaigns. candidates? Or? Yes, so okay. that's why a lot of them got hired by candidates. And um, yeah, they just... After we held one town hall meeting and it was really generationally contentious because it was just like, well, the older people don't care about us. And then they're like, well, the younger people don't care. And I was like that really um, instigator in the middle who's just like, 
are you even really both listening to each other? And so mm. that's the component um, that I bring to, to politics today is just like, are we really engaged listening? Or are we just pushing our agenda? Because that's what's happening with my peers is like agenda pushing. And then I'm watching them. They're going to burn out, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, and we're still left in the dark, right? We're still left. It's so hard to organize. Yeah. Here. And even the yeah. academics on campus, like of, you know, Tessa, they take on huge emotional workloads. Mm-hmm. Constancio and our colleague, my colleague, Mark, is just like, like myself, they get students who come in and be like, well, my parents hit me or my, you know what I mean? Like we need to address those things at home before we require people to change politically in a public forum. If they're still like hitting their kids in a way where they're 20. I mean, like I'll have stories. I'm going to be real. I have Filipino students come to me. I'm not a counselor in that sense. And they'd be like, well, my dad hit me because I can't drive. You know what I mean? Like that's, they're like 22, 23. Right. And yeah, it's a, it's tough. I don't have the means to be like. You want to be like, that's wrong and mm-hmm. that's stupid and walk off. But then you understand that like, this is someone's real life. This mm-hmm. is someone's family structure. It is so easy to say, like, just yeah. walk away. But yeah. the actual practice of it always is very, very difficult. Especially very, knowing when you're yeah. coming from a place of privilege from where you can go ahead and like, you know, have these conversations, be able to break down like yeah. these toxic yeah. behaviors. I, I mean, I personally, I mean, I like that. That you're addressing this because there's um, a lot of the like movement. Oh, you brought this up in one of your recent podcasts mm-hmm. about like Panay Visionaries about how like a lot of the talk that folks were like highlighting and the people they were highlighting, there were always like a professor, there was yeah. a doctor, there was always a business person, and it was always like um, it was like you had to be successful in order to be acknowledged. Yeah. And that's like a narrative that a lot of people of color end up having to fall into. Right. right? And like, I've seen this and I, I've saw this like tweet or whatever, but I just want it to be like, like, can we celebrate being just lazy ass fucks? Yes. Hell yeah. Cause can we I do it please? all the time? <laughs> let's, let's do that campaign. Because like, I don't, what you talking about? I don't, yeah. I don't, already do it. I mean, we do it, <laughs> but like, I'm doing it. But if so, I mean, we'll get around to it. We'll get around. Yeah. But you know what? I, Take a look at my outline. <laughs> I mean, this is detailed outline. No, it's not. <laughs> this is not lazy ass fucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, parents who have your children. Uh, don't listen to this. Part. We said ducks. <laughs> ducks. Yes. Um, because, like, I completely agree. Like, the narrative cannot always be success. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. The narrative needs to also include the stories of people who don't know what the hell they're doing. Exactly. You gotta talk about people who like need to normalize fucking up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and that's flawed. the thing that like it really pisses me off a lot is that, you know, we don't have these conversations. Like, for example, I was listening to uh, one of your episodes from your podcast about like, you know, police and police brutality and like the Filipino American gangs, right? Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, when you're just like, oh, please don't be like, please don't be like this in the or in our community. Please, 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 right? But it's like, at the same time, it's like, yeah, like we don't want to be represented in this bad light, but at the same time, it's like, when are we going to stop dehumanizing and let people know, like, this is human to fuck up. This is human to mm-hmm. like be in this part. And this is what happens to our community and we're no different. And, and ultimately, it's also a privilege to be able to fuck up yeah. you know Hell visibly yeah. and in the community and still be able to kind of be given the chance to you know either figure it out or not be completely mm-hmm. yeah. demonized and I'm going to put it out here I think like success stories are great right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're always a happy ending happily ever after that's awesome happy ending I gotta stop saying that it's always so dirty Disney. happily ever after that's what I mean Disney. Um, but like 
I think always propping up success. It is like a okay. This is, I'm gonna probably fuck this up, but it is. <laughs> it perpetuates like white supremacy in some way because ah, it it's yep. like you can only be a good brown person if you're successful yeah. by white standards by white yeah. standards. by white standards sorry i had to yell that out yeah, it was like, because it's like yeah. <laughs> look i i personally have screwed up so many things mm-hmm. i will acknowledge this i say that i'm a writer and i have not finished anything in um uh, ever. <laughs> you publish things here. And there. I mean, I'm publishing yeah. random things here and there, right? But like, I've told myself, like, I want to write a novel. I want to do this. I've got outlines here and there. Are any of them done? No. Mm, right. And I don't know when they're going to be done. Mike has like recorded random things or tried to do playlists or like make beats. Have we put any of that out? No. <laughs> right. But you enjoy it still. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I think we 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 put so much emphasis on the end result that we don't value the journey in yeah. the right ways because sometimes the journey is actually the most educational part of it. Yeah. So. This reminds me of like the Catholicism that's with us with like this self-flagellation. Like if I don't suffer enough on the cross, <laughs> then it's not <laughs> worth, <laughs> it's not worth the success. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'll, I'll meet colleagues who are nurses who are still unhappy, man. I'm like, yeah. you're, you got three cars in this garage. You got, how are you still unhappy? Because they're unhappy because they don't want to be a nurse. Damn. Well, because yeah, they, 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 they thought about so much about the end result that the journey that they undertook mm. didn't feel worth it, I guess. Yeah, and it's kind of like growing up when someone asked me what did I want to be when I grow up, I used to say, I want to be a doctor. I didn't have a fucking scientific bone <laughs> in my body at all. But the only reason I wanted to be a doctor was in my head because I want to make enough money yeah. That I could buy my dad a house. Yes. In, but this is the best part, right? I said, I want to buy my dad a house in Lake Tahoe so he can go fishing and go hunting. And I want to buy my mom a house in Beverly Hills damn. so she can go shopping. <laughs> oh, damn. But it was always like, I'm buying them each their own home. <laughs> because in my head, in my in my childhood brain, I thought my adult parents cannot live in the same house because they like two different things. <laughs> you you <laughs> dream big. Damn. And yeah. I was like, so big. I was like, I need to make enough money so that I could do that. And in actual reality, a doctor's salary would not be able to do that. Hell no, no, definitely, definitely not. Definitely not in LA. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like, how how sad is it that like my nine-year-old self thought the answer to that question was I need to make money to take care of my own family. Yeah, survival. Like again. it wasn't like, what do you want to be when you grow up to make yourself happy? Which I think when you ask a, co- a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? The expectation is like they're going to say something that they want to do. Right. Right. For them. But right. like even as a kid, like I was had like inherited something that was like you have to do something to take care of everybody. Yeah. That's huge. And it's always around the holidays that this comes up. I mean, oh, Thanksgiving shit, yeah. is coming up. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's 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 abated now that I'm, we're older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for many years, it'd be like my parents would be like. So, when are you going to finish that uh, law degree? Dang. Um, I know you went to law school. Did you ever finish law school? So and we, because we, you know. Sore subjects. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't let the conversation go there. I'm good at, like, definitely switching the topic. But it's just kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm if, if you haven't figured out or accepted, like, where I'm at right now and that I'm able to eat and, yes. like, you don't have to worry about it, like, then That's there's huge. no convincing you at this yeah. point, right? Like, then mm-hmm. I just have to let go of the fact that I need your approval to be okay. I mean, I'm that's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. also like something about the holidays for me, like when it comes up, mm-hmm. it's like, I know I'm going to be around a lot of family. I know for you too. And like, yeah. you have to like kind of 
like ready yourself for the emotional kind of like onslaught that comes <laughs> with uh, yeah. the holidays. And I think that like you always have to face like conservative family members, yeah. right? And so I always have to like brace myself because there's always like that one uncle who wants to like antagonize and tease you because they know that you are the activista in the family or something. Mm-hmm. That's and they like bring stuff. a question up and I'm just literally like, do I engage in this or do I just walk away? It's and like, yeah. um, I think 10 years ago I would attempt to like reason and have that conversation. But I learned that, um, I am not Ryan Carpio, <laughs> fellow co-host of the show. Um, I'm not charming enough to do that. Like, oh my god! I feel like when Trump got elected, because it was right before Thanksgiving. I think I might have said something. My parents is like, if you vote for this guy, I'm not going to come home for Thanksgiving or something. <laughs> yeah, I think something something that effect. And I mean, I still did, but you know. <laughs> At least I knew where you stood. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think with our families, we've had the luxury of being able to say to say where where we stand. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like fully known to our families oh, where yeah. we are. I mean, how um, they receive it and process it is another story. But yeah, we're not afraid of at least being honest about it. Correct, and I think mm-hmm. it's just because um, I think for Filipinos in our zenial, uh, like if you're in your 30s and whatnot, like to know who you are right. is a it's a privilege yes. that I think our generation who grew up in America like that you get to get to have mm-hmm. to know who you are to have a sense of individualism Correct. outside of your community yeah, yeah and just to be like and I like i feel for folks who like grew up in like missouri or arkansas or like mm-hmm. you know faces places where they're not a lot of communities of color or even like communities of filipinos right right because like i don't know what that's like like yeah. legit i've always grown up in a place where like filipinos were there um, be that my like massive family or like the family that I had at church because like my school is the Filipino school um, but I I know that there's a privilege in being able to say like I'm Filipino American and I get it and like mm-hmm. you can that's just who I am I think of folks out there who listen to this I, I would hope that you would get to that at, at a point as well like you yes, you can go be a doctor, but you could also be like a fuck up who doesn't know what the hell they're doing or know what they want, right? Well, obviously, yeah. don't fuck up, you know, when you're doing your doctor thing. Please. <laughs> you know, and don't try to fuck up, but yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things to ask. Hey, don't put people down. <laughs> when I meet students for the first time, I love to ask, "What is your big dream for yourself?" If money was not an issue and whatnot, and one of them, one of them. Um, I have three Filipino guys in my class for um, art and you know, they're really quiet and standoffish and now they've become the most like verbal people in their Mm -hmm. work. And so one of them talked about how he was harassed. He he grew up in Colorado. He was harassed um, for crossing a certain street and with this guy with a basketball. So he takes the basketball out of this guy's hand and like throws it really far. And he's just like, I don't remember a time being that brave in that Mm -hmm. kind of like white, space space um but i did it innately as a kid and i just feel like man how many more stories aren't being told because art isn't an option for them you know yeah yeah there's like a weird like i think a lot everybody just needs to go back to like that childhood of like uh, that feeling of like you could take over the world Mm -hmm. and then like it didn't matter who you were and it didn't matter like what you did like you could just go out there and attack it you know, you, you talked about um, 
the holidays, right? And I just think about again about like Christmas, and I feel like mm. I feel like sometimes we're like trading cards to our parents, like mm-hmm. you know, they don't like really say like you know, Rose, I'm really proud of you. And like you know, they'll be hard on us at home, and they'll be like, well, you know, I feel like I imagine Rose's mom being like, well, you know, my daughter is a teacher. You know what I mean? No, like, no, that's the is really story. proud in the public space, but at home it's just like, puta, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why are you teaching high schoolers? Yeah. Huh? Like, like, get you do something else. But like yes. to bring that into the holidays, you know, Jesus. like, well, you know. Like I've never heard my dad say nice stuff about me to my face, but in in person he's just like, oh, you know what she did this, and I was like, what? Who's this man? Yeah. Like, excuse me. <laughs> the guy keep up appearances, but in, in closed yeah. doors. Yeah, eh, let's talk. And it's like, what? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how to have that conversation to be honest. <laughs> what do you mean? With like family, like conservative family. Members oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine yeah. learned better. <laughs> like, um, so I have a very conservative cousins. Hopefully, they don't, they don't listen to this. I hope they do. <laughs> well, <laughs> part of me's like, well, this is gonna be really awkward in December because they want to go go uh, get a cabin, and I'm like, a uh, cabin with you for a week. Interesting. I hope uh, you survive. Yeah, um, because thing is, so my father's side of the family, and these are my cousins. They're the conservative ones. They first uh immigrated to uh virginia virginia beach got it yeah see yeah we already know so like very conservative um virginia and like it's it's, yeah so like racism and then also like there's this always this thing like you know the oppression olympics as well as like oh we're better than at least these people and blah 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 blah. and my cousins tend to have that attitude especially when it comes to like living now in the West Coast, mm-hmm. that they try to like up themselves as Filipinos amongst other communities of color. And then mm-hmm. during my time of like activism and like, you know, being able to be very like vocal in standing up for like, you know, my sexual identity and like my like community, um, I was like, hey, you're kind of being fucked up right now. Let me tell you why. So you addressed it with them. Oh, hell yeah. And now, like, they, like they, they, they try to be very careful around me because uh-huh. they know, like, and here's the thing. It's not like I go, like, you're fucking, like, da 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 Like, yeah. I don't, like, go on full, like, radical on them. I, like, there's, like, a certain... When you're in an activist space and you're a, f- a feminist, you start to kind of find ways in which you approach people mm-hmm. because you can be the radical, you can be the former, you can also be the one who's trying to do effective change without scaring people away. Mm-hmm. Because when you hear feminists, people automatically just go like, you know, like, oh, bad. You know, like, yeah. you know, you're like radical. You, you're not going to listen to what I have to say. You're not going to yeah. lose my position. But it's like, no, the purpose of being a feminist, the purpose of being an activist is to be able to listen, take in the, like, you know, the discussion of communities all around you and be able to go ahead and pose questions and make you question, you know, like, the systems of oppression that are surrounding us mm. and being able to go ahead and pinpoint why you think the way you do is a condition or is it an individual is a community or you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So it's all about that. And so I learned how to navigate that, especially in discussion within my own interpersonal relationships, mm. because those are the ones that are like, I want to be able to speak freely with, with my family members, with my friends, mm-hmm. with my colleagues. Um, but definitely being able to pick and choose when I can go ahead and put that emotional label forward, yeah. especially yeah. during the holidays. I want to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to add to the um, conversation with <laughs> conservatives. You know, my parents are not political anything, right? I think that they're political in, like, they're interpersonal. Like, my mom always wanting to be the charge nurse or my dad always trying to, 
you know, chismis with his walking friends or whatever. But I, so I think what helps talking to um, conservative family members, especially parents, is the volume you match them. Because back in the, young Gene would have been like, well, you know what? Like, oh, you yell. F you, you know, because yeah. like, they're yelling at me. And then it's just like, you're disrespectful. It's, uh, you know, and after going through therapy and learning the tactics of communication, it's just like, my dad, I, I mean, I was like, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to invite this man to church. So we go and he has 20 million questions about my life. And I'm just kind of like, I was talking, but he wasn't listening. And I think that's something that's missing mm. generation wise, right? Because mm-hmm. they're just, they want to give you all their love by 20, 20 million questions. Mm-hmm. So then as I repeat myself for the second time in this kind of tonal, um, ton- like, and I was like, well, you weren't listening to me the first time. So let me repeat myself. And he, it just like the fact that I didn't escalate or match that escalation, he brought it down. And there's power in the silence. Yeah, there's yeah. power in the silence. Um, but still, talking with a compassion he cannot give me right because he yeah. doesn't have those skills and so I was just kind of like he was even like your mom doesn't buy your groceries and I was like I'm a grown person I buy he's like but you're still going to eat out like he has like all these opinions about mm. how it'll be and um I even put a funny picture of me on Facebook and I was like this is it was just like me with hands and I was like this is me trying to discuss my boundaries and my dad's like my dad jokes about like my feminism in a way that he knows he can no longer cross because he was just like well I mean boundaries you're already building walls at this point you know mm-hmm. so I think he sees it even if he jokes about it and um but it took a long time to be here there's a big age gap between me and Rose like I was Rose in that sense where like yeah you know and now I'm just kind of like how do I do this tactfully in a way yeah. where I can survive and he doesn't he doesn't always have ammo for me to be like well she's she must be losing her shit because she's being loud back at me yeah. you know because it's always yeah. like you don't you're ungrateful you know it, it starts yeah. to get into the guilt mode of like you're uh, ungrateful yeah. <laughs> like the reverting yeah I mean there is like a there is an emotional toll that happens in the holidays. And I think everybody experiences that having to interact with people that like you don't normally interact with anymore. And so like going back into your familiar home or with your parents, you like there's a tendency to revert to the status quo of what being with your family is. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that I, I tend to, I've done it. I revert to it. But I, I think, um, through like doing a lot of emotional labor on my own and like work it's like you learn to create the boundaries right mm-hmm. where it's just like i only have this much time and this much capacity <laughs> to be with you <laughs> and like legit i like with my own family with my parents in particular like there's a two-hour gap if i go beyond two hours yeah. i'm done like and like you've seen it i'm like all right well it's time to go like yeah, this yeah. is like i've done the lunch we're having this conversation. It's time to leave. And um, and that's very much what I do with my family. And so, um, but then with Mike's parents, it's like a whole different ball game. And oh. so like, I have to like adjust how it works because it's not two hours. Because we're good at like a little bit of cognitive dissonance and lack of communication. So we'll just be in the same space together, but we'll just not actually really acknowledge each other in the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they just really say a bunch bad. of stuff and I'll be like, yeah, it's okay. not good. It's Whatever. not very healthy. I'll say a bunch of stuff and they won't really quite hear. We'll be in the same car. Yeah. They won't really quite hear me. But I kind of just like, that's just our commu- or lack of thereof of communication <laughs> yeah. style. I mean, it's very and it's, bad. To and I, I guess I'm just used to it. But yeah. to have her come into that space and, and see it in like, real person like no yeah because we'll like have dinner or lunch and then i'm just like all right so we done like can we leave and then like someone's like oh well let's go for a walk i'm like why do we need to go for a walk like we just already (laughs) spent two hours together eating why do i need to be with you even more but that's because in my family dynamic that's what we do yeah we're just used to being around each other for long periods of time but like also not really acknowledging each other and then i don't (laughs) 
I think it's just matter of thing. it's like you've I'm at the point in my life where like I have no fucks to give to anybody right, right? right and so like if I can't tolerate you like I just walk out the window I can walk out the door like bye I don't care for this conversation and so um the small talkery of it all is just like draining so I just choose to elect to not be a part of the conversation mm. and that's just how I operate and, and that's good it's, and it's yeah. a tough journey to get there yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, those that's those care your, right there. Yeah, yeah, those are your coping skills, your coping mechanisms. And for me, it's just like, well, I'm, I'll hear them or I won't hear them, and they'll hear me, or won't hear me. But like, yeah. we just, we've just mutually least, accepted yeah. about each other yeah. that that's just how it works. But I think there's but a level of yeah. growth there yeah, because, like, it took a long time for me to get to that point because I used to get really frustrated and try and argue the point, and then I was just like, there's no, there's no point in doing mm-hmm. that. Like everybody, like our families tend to all be like unreliable narrators of when they're telling stories to you. Mm -hmm. And so like in engaging with conservative family members, it's almost like you have to take, remember like take all of this with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like, like even last night at dinner and like my parents trying to like kind of launch into some conversation about something. And I think you were trying to engage with them. And I was just like, Oh, so how's uh, blah, blah, blah doing? Like, you know, just like <laughs> definitely switching to something completely different. Cause it's like, I don't want to get into it. So my, so your, your, your coping mechanism is to like walk away from it. Mine is to like pretend yeah. the conversation didn't happen. And we, well, we got, that conversation was literally about like a soap opera on Netflix. No, it was something else. They were coming, they were talking about something else with like, what am I, I forgot. It was something totally different. It was about to get to like some. Pop. Oh yeah. 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 It's about to get heated. No, it was about to get heated, but it was just about was to just get like, like, dicey. We didn't so even talk about it. So I was like, no, yeah. cause I mean, cause you, I know that sometimes you're willing to engage and I'm just like, why do you engage? Like it's no, no one's going to move. No one's going to move in this conversation. I am a INFP. T, oh I think, God. or an INFJ, yeah, J. Uh, INFP. I'm um, an INFJ. I don't uh, know. Okay, I mean, P is the perceiving, but also I'm turbulent. So we're talking about so the Myers Briggs. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're doing the MBTI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah MBTI. I'm, I'm dash T, so like it's. I'm, I'm have very you, have you had to do I've that taken yet? A long time ago, but I don't. Do remember you remember? No. I remember. I'm an ENFP. Ooh. <laughs> I used to be an INTJ, and then somewhere along the line, become more. Hey, psychologists out there! I'm sure you all understand what this is. I do not remember what any of those <laughs> Did letters stand like, for. Actually, like, really, I know. I mean, our yeah. team does this stuff as like you know ways to kind of like level set amongst the yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, so. introverted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, the other there's like psychologists listening and being like, "Oh yeah, they are all those things." Gene's <laughs> <laughs> definitely an E and something. I'm not. Maybe. I'm in an ABCD. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I am. Yeah, but with, yeah, with all of those things, I mean, we all find ways to kind of reconcile what our families are about, even what our communities are about. I mean, yeah. we operate in a community that like has a lot of things that we have a lot to debate about, but somehow we still love and value it. I don't so, know how, but so yeah, well, yes. <laughs> so given that it is going to be the holidays and we're like gonna approach an uh, election year <laughs> coming up, that's twenty twenty. Wow. So whammy. like, so like, hey, that's actually why the. We bring up this cons- engaging in conversations with your conservative fam- conservative family members because mm-hmm. then it's just a matter of like I don't want to necessarily say calling out them for like not being a part of the political process mm. or like not engaging or in voting or like actively saying like they're voting for Trump or whatever, but it's just a matter of just like having the ability to have that conversation, right? And so. I've seen things where it's like, well, if your family is saying that they're like hardcore conservative Trumpers, like you just walk off. But like family dynamics are hard. I don't necessarily think you can do that. But like 
having the willingness to have that conversation like well why ask why i guess why do you feel that way yeah why do you approach that and then uh not being like you're fucking wrong and going on yeah having that conversation but also being able to somehow find a way to like heal and move on from that yeah because i think like you start digging up a lot of things that kind of really highlight why it is that you might be at a at a at a diametrically opposing kind of position <laughs> from people that you care ostensibly uh, care about deeply, right? Um, and being able to recognize that, but also still be like, well, but I still need you in my life for yeah. whatever reason. I'm and, still yeah. thankful for you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I feel Thank like you. it's because they are in our spaces. They are a part of our lives, and they're going to continue being part of our lives until we say, no, I don't want to see you again this Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like until you actually put up that boundary because you don't want that person in your life. But being able to get that person and your family member to see why you feel this strongly about this topic and why you feel like it matters, you know, and it's not a matter of just saying, oh, politics, I don't like talking politics. It's about mm-hmm. talking about policies that affect our lives and that are reflective of like how we move about, how we are able to be mobile in our communities, in our like um, jobs mm-hmm. and with our friends. Or just look at them straight dead in the eye and just say, okay, boomer, and then walk off. Bye. I want to, um, bye. So, um, I want to share this on the podcast about like talking to, um, the, the whole thing about this conservatism, um, you know, especially taking away, uh, party politics and just the general conservatism of our parents. And, um, I actually had a point in my life where I didn't talk to my parents for two to three years because of interracial dating, right? They expected me to marry a Filipino man and I didn't. And, um, I expected my parents to never talk to me again, right? Because of the difference in belief systems, but they expected that I think in their narrative, in their mind, let's kick this girl out of the house and she'll crawl back. Right. But they saw that I independently sustained myself, that they realized the value of my absence, right? Mm. That I was the emotional um, carrier, that I was a parent to my older brother, that I was like the lawyer between the two of them. And so I think realizing the value that our children bring into the home, it's not these conversations of arguing over these belief systems aren't worth losing somebody entirely. Mm. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, my dad sometimes, you know, he gets Fox News Channel and that's all he, then he's uh, ill-informed, you know, but sometimes for them, they don't know that there's other resources. They don't know that there's BBC or KNPR to listen to. So they only have Fox News and so that they're going to be perpetuating to this ignorance um, um, that they're, they paid for and, you know. You could always like, Put it on child lock and then. Yeah. That's what it says. Anyone taking the nuclear option? Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with your TV. I, don't I know I'm your IT person, but I have no idea. What's I don't know on. what happened to that channel. Maybe it went under. What do you Who mean knows? You don't know what happened. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. Children of parents who <laughs> help our other IT. If you figure out the child lock and you put that channel and it goes away, then they'll have to watch another news channel and maybe get another perspective. Yeah. Yes. Or watch some um, Hassan Minaj to like. He's a patriot. Uh, you know, yeah. sprinkle, sprinkle a little bit Netflix yeah. in there. Some Netflix would be good yeah. for them. Some, um, some I want to ask you two a question real quick. Yes. Um, because, you know, being brujas, um, has the word ever come up in your life? Like The word bruja? Yeah. And in what context or example or... Um, have we have you used it on other people? Or um, so it's funny. Uh, when I was a kid, 
my um i would never brush my hair and my mom used to always yell at me like you please brush your hair you look like a bruja and i would just be like i don't know what that is but okay um and then i realized like oh i'm she went thought like, i look like a witch yeah. and i was just like well i'm just lazy and so <laughs> um i didn't have to like actually brush my hair until i went to catholic school where my tita was just like you look like a hot mess just start brushing your hair and i was like okay <laughs> um the side note to that is also I didn't used to take a shower because <laughs> I was a dirty little child. And, and, um, <laughs> and so um, I don't know if I've told this, but I'll tell it now. When I was a little kid and I went to elementary school, my mom would tell me to get ready. And I don't know if like this is a normal thing, but my mom would just be go get ready and then leave me alone because she needed to get ready for work. So I would turn on the shower and then crawl up in a little ball on the floor mat and take a nap. Oh. And then when the shower was over, my mom would be like, hey, are you almost ready? Are you almost done? And I'd be like, uh-huh, I'm coming out of the shower. And then I would get up and then like put water in my hair <laughs> and then brush my teeth. And then I would come out and be like, oh, okay, I got to change to put my uniform on, mom, mom. And this my mom's like, life hacker, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom was like, all right. And then I would go to school. And then my mom had no idea that it didn't take a shower. I love this. And then my tita kind of figured it out. And she was just like, what is happening to your rat nest hair? Please brush it. It's and like, what gave it away? And <laughs> she was just like, maybe the fact that you haven't changed your scrunchie in about three weeks. And I'm like, oh, you can tell. And so that's when I was called a bruja because I just didn't like to take showers back then. Um, Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I yeah. know. Super dirty. But then it's funny. Um, so in college, I had read this book called Bye Bye Lan. It's like a mm -hmm. feminist like anthology, a Filipino-American anthology. And I was like so super into it. And I was like all in my like early like activist like, oh, yeah, I'm reading everything Asian-American studies. And I brought the book home to my dad. And I said, dad, you know, <laughs> like, oh, it's so cool. Like this Bye Bye Lan book and then she, he was just like what? I hate that term I used to beat up kids who used to call your Lola a Bye Bye Lan wow. and I was like say what? and so <laughs> my, my, my dad's Lola so my great Lola she has she was a like essentially she was a bruja she could practice magic she had wow. like the story is I was told is that she could do telekinesis and could move like a glass of water from one end of the table to the next it would take out yes. a lot of her energy and she could balance a pencil like a la the craft and so That's my badass. dad told me this story and I legit spent like hours staring at a pencil trying to get Aww. it to stand <laughs> to see if the magic <laughs> yeah. and it definitely did it I was Aww. so sad but he told me how like the term was a negative term like he was like it's basically a pejorative like don't embrace it yeah. don't do that because like um, I fought other kids who called your Lola that and then like I thought about it I just recently talked to somebody and I was like you know what I think I am a bye bye line, and mm -hmm. my power is bringing people together and then taking yeah. care of like the people who are important to me and sharing their stories because like that is the power that we have and we can bring to each mm -hmm. other. And so I may not be able to move a cup of water from one end to the table or hold a pencil up on my finger, all of the craft, even though I really wish I could. <laughs> but I mean, one day I will. Um, <laughs> What is it? Light as a feather, stiff as a board. <laughs> um, but I think like 
this power that we have to bring together like of podcasting and then being yes. able to share stories and having these conversations that's like brujaria in itself and i love that yes. you guys embrace the brujaness of it all it just makes me so happy that like that's happening because i've totally become like the tita crystal lady like i have an altar it has crystals i, <laughs> I light palo I santo it. almost every day <laughs> i have sage i make lavender bundles like it is no joke i am turning into the 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 bruja that my dad wished I Aww. would never be. Oh, fucking yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. I fucking love it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, way. Mike, what about you? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not I, mean, I don't know how I don't Mike know. just witnesses yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I guess I know, have no idea what, Mike holds the purse like, <laughs> I'm good at holding the bag um, also I have many bags on my own um, <laughs> no I mean it, it's just never something that never came up in my family I feel like if it did like I just never acknowledged it mm. because we're going to talk about culture in general in our family like I feel like just understanding my Filipino-ness mm. Literally didn't happen to me until like post college. Because mm. even in college, it was just kind of like, man, all this fucking like brown everything, <laughs> like head wrap, whatever, you know. And then I've spoken as somebody who used to wear a head wrap. That is gross. I, and then I got into like, <laughs> like, look in the mirror, look in the mirror, head yeah. wrap, Mike. But I mean, even then, it was just like, oh, I want to organize for change for the world. I don't really all this Filipinoness stuff was just so corny to me, right? You know. Um, it was it wasn't until I ended up moving into Filipino town, working in the Filipino community, doing a lot of stuff that I really kind of started digging into it. But I mean, like Elaine was probably like one of my few Filipino friends in college. Yeah. Even Aww. though you were like involved in the biggest Filipino organization at the time I in was. the country, and I, I was just like, I don't want to go to these meetings. Like all these <laughs> freaking you people know, from like Carson and like half West the time Carolina I didn't want to be there either. But <laughs> I had to be real. But I mean, yeah, like so, like I didn't really, and, and even with my parents themselves, like. Just kind of like just the different kind of like cultural like ideas and you know I mean other than like I mean I guess like the um, what is it some of the more supernatural things they like mm-hmm. would mention every now and then like, I would never give any context yeah. yeah because I mean we're from yeah we're from Iloilo like around yeah. that area so there's like the Malangal is, yeah. yeah isn't the Aswang from Aswang it's from, from Panay like, yeah Antique yeah that's literally the province I never went bump into yeah. one. <laughs> So, I mean, like, but they would never really contextualize it. And, like, they only really started digging into it with me, like, as it became popular to do so, I feel like, sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look at all, the, like, these cultural, like, things, like, the fabrics from our province and other stuff. But only because, yeah. like, it was probably on TFC or something. Right. But, you know. I mean, it's true, and I don't care, because I'll take all the hub loan your mom buys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I haven't really had a chance to really dissect that with them. But, yeah. I mean, I think, like, I learned about these concepts, like. Definitely in my adulthood. So. Yeah, yeah, never too late. It's something yeah. we already yeah. talk about. How did you come upon the term Bruja Baddies as your podcast title? So oh, initially, yeah. Rose wanted to call it Gina Rose, but I was like, no, <laughs> man. I mean, we came from Vagina Mollocks where we claimed a vagina. Like, can we reclaim something? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the same thing. Like, I am also very lazy and uh, the beauty aspect and yeah. so I would be called a bruja several times and I was like this wait is- really yeah was- by like other children no just my mom oh okay. <laughs> just my mom she still kind of does it because my hair is really really thick and like I really even have like some kinky hair too um and so she's she was mad that it was never really straight and so um <laughs> I don't understand how she can be mad that it's straight when you got the hair from her like- yeah 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 so um it just wasn't like, you know, shampoo straight, I guess, or you know what I mean? Uh, so I was just like, you know, I really like 
bruja. Like, I think that it's a shocker word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. <laughs> you know, we only have an Instagram, right? We are truly the poorest podcast we know. <laughs> so, yeah, we're and just the like. the baddies was coming out a yeah. lot, you know? So it was just like being able to go, like, what can, what's something that can show that we're, you know, rec- reclaiming a word especially for some uh, community that is negative, negative, you mm, know, yeah. within the community, community within the community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just like, then G was like, bro, I bet he's like, fuck you. It works. And I love alliteration. That's awesome. <laughs> BB. It's also a cute little acronym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, it's important that that you invited us um, and that we invite each other and like in making a feminist space or feminist yeah. space. Um, so Thanks. there is a lot of um, other people who are doing similar work that I kind of want to shout out if that's okay Yeah, with. go for it. So, um, so I think that there's a lot of Instagrams. Okay, when I first looked at Panay, like Panay groups on Facebook, it was just like, basically selling marriages right so but instagrams <laughs> mail yeah, order yeah, like yeah, filipino up. wives yeah yeah <laughs> wow. but instagram has kind of curtailed this narrative and so there's instagrams that are actual resources so first shout outs to K- kasama culture who's a birth worker dual activist and artist in long beach nicole cruz coaching who helps first gens um particularly in the work that she does in coaching filipinex uh, feminist manifesto read their text i mean i don't want like you just gotta read it the filipino mom is um somebody in arizona who's modeling alternatives for filipino parents mm-hmm. with a component of self-care in the way that um she talks about mental health a lot yes. too. yeah she yeah does. so thanks for being she a filipino mom <laughs> yeah can you be my mom um and then there's filipinas uh, speak out which is shedding light on sexual violence experienced by filipinx mm. women there's the walangia project which takes submissions um for non-binary and filipino women like they take quotes and then og lolas maybe you should try that. i think they're a food truck though or yeah, i hope i'm not butchering them but they are <laughs> vegan options in vegas for philam food they Ooh. do um, pop-up kamayans um shout out to dr cacophony who's a queer um filipinx musician um who plays a xylophone yeah really. she, has a, she has a snorlax or they have a snorlax song that's pretty they funny they in the background as they're playing the xylophone with yeah. like f- like four oh like, my god ladies. the snorlax is my person <laughs> i need to see this and then um other uh you know once you binge watch or binge listen to T-Fall or Bruja, there's other uh, folks who are doing the same thing. Like the Filipino American woman is one, um, Filipino on the rise, Brown girl feels and found her by entrepreneurship are worth looking. Oh at. yeah. And Marie Cruz. She's really cool. Great I love people. her. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to one of her um, mini retreats and that she did in LA. So they're really great. Um, this has been really fun. Can we do like one last thing? Okay. Can we do a round robin? Oh. Of, okay, okay, it's not going to be quick, but like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to do a round robin of like, say one thing that you are thankful for and one thing you would, one wish you would like oh. for the future, for the upcoming holiday or the 2020. Pressure. I know. So much pressure, Mike. You go first. No, always, pressure. You've been too. Oh, go to the left. One, one thing I've heard always from organizing. Boss, always to pass to the left. So since I brought it up, I pass to the left. Okay, so <laughs> it's one thing that I'm thankful for. Yes, I'm thankful for um, being seen by T Fall. I really am. Aww. You know, I mean, we're two girls and a phone. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, two girls and an iPhone six X plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old type of. Uh, so I'm really thankful to be seen by um, and be highlighted 
excited for what we do here in Vegas and what we do um, abroad. Um, and the thing that I wish the most for is um, that people continue the work that is being done and expanding. And I mean, not all of us can afford to have book projects and stuff. So I hope that this can be a time capsule for those who need it 20, 30 years from now. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, Jean. <laughs> now, for me, the other person. Hi. Um, so lately, a lot of things have been going on in my life in which I thought it was chaos and a lot of my interpersonal relationships were uh, crumbling. Um, but then things just started falling where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to be in places where I needed to be. And I could have been in a different place right now. Like, technically, I was supposed to be in Portland right now. But then, mm. like, you know, things started falling in place. I became available. Then, you know, T-Fall reached out. And then, you know, also my friend had it had to have someone babysit their cats. And then I'm just like, the universe works in mysterious ways in mm -hmm. which you need to go ahead and just be like, okay, this is where I need to be. Accept its blessings. You know, accept it, mm -hmm. even though things didn't work out the way I wanted them to this is what needed to happen and this is where I need to be and I feel like I'm in the right place and I'm just thankful for everything in my life, my decisions, the people in it. I'm thankful for Jean. Like, is it because I'm making strong eye contact? Yeah. Jean's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you better fucking say thank you to me. Like, Jean's okay. Yeah, 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 Jean. But like, that's what I'm really grateful for is like whatever is moving us where we need to be moving, I'm thankful for that because I'm happy where I'm at right now despite the hardship. And uh, one wish, I wish that everything, who's ever listening to this, whoever needs this, like you find the healing that you need and I wish you the best and I wish for all of us to be on the path where we need to be in life. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Man, that's hard to follow up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Joking. Other than the, you know, obvious being thankful for Elaine and for uh, life. Ooh. Um, the wow. podcast. Being thankful for all of you for having us here too because it's like, I never really know who actually listens to us. Like I say that I joke, I joke about this a lot, but I mean it's it's probably disingenuous at this point because like we'll be like walking around and somebody be like, "Oh my god, is that Elaine? Are you producer Mike?" And it's just be like, "Uh, wait, what?" Like, just say yes. Yeah, but I'm thankful that we've been able to, you know, be a part of you know a platform in which I think, you know, to to Joe's original point of why we even do this was mm -hmm. like to create the space for kind of a a long form ability to share our narratives, our stories, our experiences. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I've, I've picked up all throughout this journey is just this idea that, you know, I mean, a lot of the things that used to come up as we were coming up as, as activists, organizers, and just people in the community was like this idea of like Filipino identity, identity mm -hmm. politics, understanding kind of like how do we fit into kind of like the framework of these identities and recognizing, at least for me, my personal journey lately has been that, you know, I, I, I not that I reject Filipino-ness or American-ness, but I think of Filipino-American as an identity of its own, mm -hmm. an amalgamation of many things that can't be defined in any very specific ways, and mm -hmm. that's fine, and that's actually probably the best thing about it. Um, but I'm very thankful for the fact that we get a chance to kind of just talk these things through um, and, and learn from each other, because I think um, one of the biggest things I worried about as I've gotten older and we're in our 30s um, is that as you, as you as you move away from kind of like the very community based work of organizing and being involved in like just community production that you lose that connection to community mm -hmm. um, That's real. that this has allowed us to at least kind of keep that connection in some way or another and also recognize that those connections um, will always be there as long as we never forget and acknowledge that they existed in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, so my, I guess my wish is that 
you know, that, that, that there are more people out there who kind of take on the mantle and pick up a microphone and just share their stories because mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even really listen to podcasts, to be quite honest. I mean, I wasn't even on my radar and Elaine was listening to a lot of different shows and I feel like I learned a lot through her, through osmosis and her just talking about these things. Um, consume a lot of culture. But what I've at least <laughs> kind of come to acknowledge and, and, and really, really value is that, you know, I think one of my biggest fears as we were moving into this digital age is that like, if you think about the the relics, the artifacts, the things that really demonstrate kind of the existence of a culture centuries later are these things you dig up. Right. Um, and so there's part of the, partly this fear that we're not going to have artifacts of our mm. community in the future. But I think like um, there will be a way to kind of find that and that it is up to us to kind of create the record of our existence mm-hmm. in these ways. I mean, I'm, primarily think of myself as like a photographer archiver amongst other things um but this podcast and your podcast and Mm -hmm. all the other conversations that are being recorded hopefully will demonstrate that we are a big set of nuanced experiences um that 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 are worth remembering and that shape the culture beyond our own kind of limitations of whatever that is so anyways and now I have to follow that. <laughs> yeah. That's a long ramble. Long ramble that. that I really don't. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I am thankful to be in this space and to, uh, with you, Jean and Rose. Um, it's been a long time coming, but mm-hmm. this was, I had this brainstorm idea the moment I saw that your show came out. So I'm really Thank happy you. that we're able to do this together. Um, and I'm very thankful that we're here and that we're going to put this out and then folks are going to listen and hopefully be entertained by this conversation. Um, So that's in the present now what I'm thankful for. Um, In general, I'm thankful that um, we have the privilege to share all of these stories, Mm -hmm. like on both our shows. Um, You share everything from a feminist angle, and I will be honest, like I learn a lot of things from a lot of these shows because I don't necessarily think I view things, I don't think about it. You know, I just mm-hmm. think I, I don't think about about how I view a lot of things just because I just view them. And um, I think I've learned like a lot of my perspective is like from a critical race theory. But that is just mm-hmm. my experience as an mm-hmm. Asian American studies major as a humanities person, whatnot. And as an education um, and somebody who, in ed, that's how I view things. So I really am thankful that I get to learn from your perspectives. Um, my wish for next year is or my hope is that we aren't the only ones Mm -hmm. sharing the stories um because our perspective is very like tfl's perspective is very la it's very west west coast and we know that we acknowledge it um and and folks tell us all the time like come to pittsburgh or come to Mm. whatever indiana Indiana, come to houston come to virginia and like we'd love to but we can't do that um hopefully we can in the future mm-hmm. but like excuse go traveling yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> but like i want to hear those stories from the people who live them and for who are there so right. if you're out there and you're listening and you want to do this like please do your show reach out to us and mm-hmm. like we'll amplify as much as possible as much as we can because like this I, I try not to have a crab mentality like right. perspective on all these podcasts and whatnot. Yeah. Like if a new show comes out, I'm the first to be like, yo, listen to it because this is cool. Cause like we are our own show and we do our own thing and you are your own show and you do your own thing. But there is enough room out there for all yeah. of us to share these stories and to listen yes. and to put it out there. So I hope that like, if you are listening out there in 
South Dakota or North Dakota or uh, Dakotas. Dakotas. (laughs) Sometimes all it takes is just an iPhone success and a friend. Yeah. Um, and that you put out those shows. Yeah, don't let don't let the idea or even the technology get in the way of it. Just find a way and get it out there. I mean, even if you think about how our podcast has evolved, and I almost don't listen. I never listen to our old episodes because, like, I think about what went behind the production of that, and mm-hmm. like, did we have good mics, and like, was that mixer board the right one? But at the end of the day, those were episodes that people connected with, regardless yeah. of how we did it. Yeah. Um, and it was the it was it was it was the conversations that happened. The storytelling that happened um and not the fact that you know we weren't quite we hadn't quite figured it out we haven't yeah. still we still haven't we still figured, figured it out, out. yeah mm-hmm. but more importantly like we're getting it out there and i mean to your point earlier about not being able to put out your novels or whatever like yeah. you're still there. documenting something yeah, you're still yeah. Trying to you can always something. go on fanfiction.net to switch around some <laughs> yeah, names that seems too much work but yeah don't, <laughs> i do it <laughs> the, the only real barrier to be able to do this is you know other than like having ability to record this somehow yeah is just your willingness to share that story yeah. and so yes. my yeah. overall mm-hmm. wish for everybody yeah. is that we all be willing to share a story oh and i have one more wish yeah. my wish is that if you're out there and you're a lazy as fuck person acknowledge your life it's okay yes we are all there you don't need to be an overachiever high achiever to have a place in this world because there are enough couches for us all to lay about on (laughs) so happy thanksgiving or if this is not a thanksgiving happy thankful month (laughs) or holidays save yourself woosah during the holidays and if and if cannabis is legal in your state please partake in that <laughs> oh damn yeah <laughs> i was like Ooh.